Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. In the dark shadows, in the white cold, fearlessly we search for knowledge new and old. We drink the strong spirits and read the ancient tomes. The order of the Abracast. We are the brave and the bold. Your body is your temple, so let's make sure you got a badass t-shirt on it. Variety of cool occult-themed t-shirts. And other merch, like stickers, wall art, mugs, and more. Visit the storefront on abracast.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Abracast, a cult, history, conspiracy. And violence. Hey everybody, uh, this is John, this is a fellow craft episode of the Abracast, recording here in the sacred space, buried far below the Stigmata Studios building in the uh, People's Republic of Pennsylvania quarantine zone. Charlie, thank you guys for tuning in, and hey, uh, we got uh, some new some new Patreons this month. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Um, this evening we're going to be attacking our, this is our second Atlantis episode. So we talked about Atlantis in the Emerald tablets of Thoth episodes, which were like one of the first fellow craft episodes. Like the first time I tried to do Patreon, um, there's some Atlantis stuff in there. But last month we did the Invaders from Atlantis. Um, it's from uh, this book called Atlantis: The Antediluvian World by this guy named Ignatius Donnelly, 1882. Um, we're basically talking about Plato's history of Atlantis, and the fascinating thing from last episode. 
you know, nowadays when people talk about Atlantis, it's all like this new agey hocus pocus. This new, <laughs> this uh, um, crystal telepaths and all of this stuff. But uh, as we read, or as I read, as we talked about in the last episode, there was actually uh, a component of violence in Atlantis's um, history, where they were they were invading some other. Um, uh, they were invading other play, other like kingdoms or whatever around them. So I thought that that was super interesting because I had never heard of that before. Because I have always heard of like the the Edward Casey Crystal Magic Sleeping Prophet stuff. So I thought that that was interesting um, to get into. So here we go. Here we're gonna jump right in. Let me lube up here. Oh, my neighbor's gone. So I was like, oh shit, I got to record this now before the fucking house party. It's back. <laughs> All right, back to it. Uh, let's see here. Where am I at? The tale, which was of great length, began as follows. I have before remarked in the speaking of the allotments of the gods that they distributed the whole earth into portions differing in extent and made themselves temples and sacrifices and Poseidon receiving for his lot to the island of Atlantis begat children by mortal women. Um, so I'm just going to take a second here <laughs> to say he begat children by mortal women because we all know why it's all about earth chicks, bro. Uh, I'd like to point out that I do have currently and it's all about Earth Chicks t-shirt available on the shop section of the website. Um, shout out to Vessel of the Art Patreon uh, Ryan, by the way, who suggested uh, the idea of the shirt and um, basically he designed it. I just drew I just drew it. So thanks a lot, Ryan. And if you guys even if you're not looking for a shirt, you should go check it out. It's pretty clever. All right, so where was I? Poseidon's fucking the earth chicks. Okay, and he settled them in a part of the island which I proceed to describe on the side towards the sea and in the center of the whole island there was a plain which is said to have been the fairest of all plains and very fertile near the plain again and also in the center of the island. At a distance of about 50 stadia, there was a mountain, not very high on any side in this mountain, there dwelt one of the earth-born primeval men of that country, whose name was Evnor. Hmm. And he had a wife named Lucipi. Lucepi, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and they <laughs> had an only daughter whose name was Cleito. The maiden was growing to wood to womanhood when her father and her mother died, and guess what? Poseidon fell in love with her, and he had what intercourse with her, <laughs> and breaking the ground enclosed the hill in which she dwelt all around, making alternate zones of sea and land and larger and smaller and circling one another. 
There were two of land and three of water, which he turned as with a lathe out of the center of the island, equidistant every way so that no man could get to the island, for ships and voyages were not yet heard of. He himself was a god, found no difficulty in making special arrangements for the center island, bringing two streams of water underneath the earth which he caused to ascend as springs, one of warm water and the other of cold, and making every variety of food to spring up abundantly in the earth. And he also begat and brought up five pairs of male children, dividing the island of Atlantis into ten portions. He gave the firstborn of the eldest pair, his mother's dwelling, and the surrounding allotment which was the largest and the best. And he made him king over the rest. The others, he made princes and gave them rule over many men and large territories. And he named them the eldest who was the king. Uh, he named Atlas. And from him, the whole island in the ocean rele uh, received the name of Atlantic. And his twin brother, who was after him and obtained as his lot the extremity of the island towards the pillars of Heracles, as far as the country which is still called the region of Gades, uh, is this part of the world. And he gave the name in the Hellenic language of, oh boy, Eumelus, in the language of the country uh, which is named after him, Gadrius, of the second pair of twins, he called one Amphries and the other Avamon. And the third pair of twins, he gave the name Minius to the elder and Autocryaton to the one who followed him. And the fourth pair of twins, he called the elder Elasiphus. Hey, Elasiphus! And the young Mester. And the Hey, Elasiphus! Go fetch me a Pap's Blue Ribbon out of the fridge outside. And the fifth pair he gave to the elder the name of Aziaz and to the younger Dia Preppies. And all these were their descendants, were the inhabitants and the rulers of Divers Island in the open seas and also... As he has already been said, they had held sway in other directions over the country within the pillars as far as Egypt or Tyrrhenia. So the takeaway here is when you think of the geography, my, my takeaway here, you know, we're not meant to necessarily memorize all of these sets of twins in all of this areas, but the takeaway that I got, because I'm not remembering all these fucking names, right, is the geography of Atlantis. So the way that I'm thinking of it after reading that is it's like a target. It's like a bullseye, right? You got like one island and then totally around it is a, a stretch of ocean or a body of circular body of water. And then there's another ring of land around it. So the interesting thing is that the the middle section, the bullseye, and so on and so forth. So a ring of land, a ring of water, a ring of land, a ring of water. 
And then I guess you split it in half and one twin gets one side and the other twin gets the other side of the of the circle. So um, uh, now Atlas had a numerous and honorable family and his eldest branch always retained the kingdom and which the eldest son handed on to his eldest to many generations. And he had such an amount of wealth as they never before possessed by kings and potentates and is not likely ever to be again. And they were furnished with everything which they could have both in the city and the country for because of the greatness of their empire. Many things were brought to them from foreign countries and the island itself provided much of what was required by them, uh, the uses of life. In the first place, they dug out of the earth whatever was to be found there, mineral as well as metal, and that which is now only a name and was then something more than a name. Oricalium was dug out of the earth in many parts of the island, and with the exception of gold, which esteemed the most precious metals among the men in those days, there was an abundance of wood for carpenters' work and sufficient maintenance for tame and wild animals. However, there was a great number of elephants on the island. What? <laughs> <laughs> there is provisions for animals of every kind, both for those which live in lakes and marshes and rivers, and also those which live in mountains and on plains. And therefore, for the animal, which is the largest and most voracious of them, also whatever fragrant things there are on the earth, which roots or herbage or wood of uh, or distilling drops of flowers or fruits grew and thrived in that land and again cultivated the fruit of the earth, both the dry edible fruit and the other species of fruit, which we call by the general name of legumes, fucking baked beans. Oh, oh, the house, the house party's back. Great. Maybe we can witness some domestic violence again this evening. Back to it. And the fruits having a hard rind, affording drinks and meats and ointments and some good store of chestnuts and the like, which may be used to play with. And our fruits which spoil with keeping and the pleasant kinds of desserts which console us after dinner when we are full and tired of eating. All these that sacred island lying beneath the sun brought forth fair and wondrous in infinite abundance. All these things they received from the earth and they employed themselves in constructing their temples and their palaces and their harbors and docks and they arranged the whole country in the following manner. First of all, they bridged over the zones of sea which are surrounded by the ancient metropolis and made a passage into and out of, they began to build the palace and the royal palace and the hibernation of the gods and their ancestors. Habitation, sorry, makes more sense, of the god and their ancestors. And they continued uh, to ornament in successive generations every king surpassing 
the one who came before him in the utmost of his power until they made the building a marvel to behold for size and for beauty and beginning from the sea. They dug a canal 300 feet in width and 100 feet in depth and uh, 50 stadia in length, which they carried through the out most zone, making a passage from the sea up to this, which became a harbor and leaving an opening sufficient to enable the largest vessels to find an ingress. Moreover, they divided the zones of land, which parted the zones of sea and constructing bridges of such a width as would leave passages for a single trireme to pass out. Uh, of one into another and roofed over them. A Tyreme is a Greek uh, sailing vessel. Go watch 300, probably 300 part two. That's the one with Themistocles. And that, who is that hot chick? Who, Ava Green or something? I don't know. They get all feisty and into a fight. And I think it leads to a little bit of anal sex. I mean, come on. And there was a way underneath, I mean, they are Greeks, let's go. They <laughs> Underneath the ships, for the banks of the zones were raised considerably above the water, and now the largest of the zones to which the passage was cut from the sea was with three stadia in breadth. Uh, in the large zone of land which came next to the equal breadth for the next two, as well as the zone of water and land were two stadia. I guess this is pointless unless we actually know what a stadia is, right? Okay. Let's see. I understand that it's a unit of measure for a length. Let's see. Okay, so a stadia is about... It's a unit of length being equal to about 607 feet. So let's see if we can... Put that in our theater of the mind while we're going through this. But uh, the next two, as well as the zone of water as of land, were two stadia. So that's 607 feet times two. It's a lot. That's, we're talking about a huge area of space, of space when you compile all these stadias together. And one which surrounded the central island uh, was a... Uh, Stadium only in width in the island in which the palace was situated had a diameter of about five stadia. So that just by itself is 330, about 335 feet. This in the zones and the bridge, which was the sixth part of the stadium in uh, width, they surrounded by a stone wall on either side, placing towers and gates on the bridges where the sea passed in. And the stone, which was used in the work, they quarried from uh, underneath the center island and from underneath the zones in the outer as well as the inner side. One kind of stone was white, another black, and a third red. That's my shit. Listen, <laughs> I'm branded with Atlantis. And as they quarantined, they were when they were <laughs> when they were quarried. Uh, they at the same time hollowed out docks, doubled uh, within having roofs formed of the native rock, and some other buildings were simple, but in some they put together different stones, which they intermingled for the sake of ornament. 
to be a natural source of delight. The inner circuit of the wall, which went around the outermost one, they covered with the coating of brass. And the circuit of the next wall, they coated with tin. And the third, which encompassed the citadel, flashed with the red light of oraculum. Okay, so oraculum is like this mythical substance. So if you grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons and you were like, it's a vorpal blade. <laughs> I have my vorpal blade. It's That's just another way of saying like some kind of quantifiable um mythological metal that people use to make weapons with. So this oraculum is a valuable yellow metal known to the ancient Greeks now sometimes interpreted as referring to a natural alloy of gold and copper and sometimes treated as a mythical substance. Thank you, Wiktionary. In our day and age, it might be better to think of it as a vibranium, right? Comic book geeks, uh, <laughs> holler comic book geeks it's like vibranium or an adamantium so that's what this oraculum business is all about the palaces in the interior of the citadel were constructed in the wise in the center was a holy temple dedicated to Cledio and poseidon which remained inaccessible and was surrounded by an enclosure of gold. This was the spot in which they originally begat the race of the ten princes, and thither they annually brought the fruits of the earth in their seasons from all the ten por uh, portions and performed sacrifices to each of them. Here, too, was Poseidon's own temple of a stadium in length. Now they're saying stadium in length and half a stadium in width. Are they talking about a stadia? The 607 feet uh, unit of measure here. Having sort of a barbaric splendor, all the outside of the temple with the exceptions of the pinnacles were covered with silver and with pinnacles of gold in the interior of the temple was a roof of ivory a roof of ivory adorned everywhere with gold and silver and oraclea, orac, oraclium. All of the other parts of the walls and pillars and floors, they lined with oraclium. I'm having a real hard time saying it now. Oraclium. <laughs> in the temple, they placed statues of gold. There was the god himself standing in the chariot, the charioteer of six-winged horses, and of such a size that he would have touched the roof of the building with his head. Around him, there were hundred Nereides riding on dolphins. It's like Aquaman from <laughs> such was thought to be a number of them in that day. There were also the interior of the temple and other images which had been dedicated by private individuals and around the temple on the outside were placed statues of gold and of all 10 Kings and their wives. And there were many other great offerings, both of Kings and of private individuals coming both from the city itself and other foreign cities over which they held sway there was an altar too which was the size and workmanship corresponding to the rest of the work and there were palaces in the like manner which answered to the greatness of the kingdom and the glory of the temple 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you interested in the occult, history, conspiracy, and violence? Learn more at abracast.com. Find more episodes on this topic. Sign up for the mailing list for bonus content. Get access to the show archive. And visit the storefront for tarot cards, merch, and books. Learn more at abracast.com. In the next palace, they use fountains of both hot and cold springs, and these were very abundant in both kinds, wonderly, wonderfully adapted to use by the reason of the sweetness and the excellence of their waters. They constructed buildings about them and planted suitable trees. Imagine how the ancient world would imagine that marvel of having hot and cold running water. It's something that we take it for granted, right? Like... Whatever. I had to dissect and replace part of my shower last year, and it was a... (laughs) You know, for being a combat engineer, I'm not so handy to have around the house, and I get frustrated very fast with uh, mechanical items, but um, I always try. (laughs) I try. All right, back to it. Uh, enough, of, <laughs> enough of misadventures and uh, plumbing. <laughs> HVAC. Uh, also, cisterns, some open to the heavens, other which were roofed over uh, to be used in winter as warm baths. There were king's baths, the baths of private persons which were kept apart because no one should be able to swim with the king. Also, separate baths for women and others, again, for horses and cattle. And they gave to them, they gave much adornment as was suitable for them. Baths for your horses and your cattle. The water which ran off, they carried uh, some to the grove of Poseidon, where were growing all manners of trees and wonderful height and beauty owing to the excellence of the soil. And the remainder was conveyed to the aqueducts, which passed over the bridges and the outer circles. And there were many temples built and dedicated to many gods. Also gardens, places of exercise, the gymnasium, (laughs) some uh, for men and some set apart for horses. You know, there's this thing that I was always wondering about. Uh, Poseidon is known as the, uh, like the god of horses. And I'm like, I don't understand why he's the god of horses. If anyone out there knows the reason, I would be interested. But then we see these horses popping up over and over again here on Atlantis. So maybe there's, well, obviously there's some sort of correlation, right? And both of the two islands formed by the zones in the center of the larger two, there were a race course of a stadium, more horse stuff. And with the length allowed and extended all around the island for horses to race in, there were 
uh, guard houses at intervals for the bodyguard and the more trusted whom had their duties appointed to them by uh, the lesser zone in the lesser zone. That's a cool band name. I'm going to create a band in the lesser zone, <laughs> which was nearer to the Acropolis. While the most trusted of all had houses uh, given them within the citadel and about the persons of the king. The docks were full of triremes and naval stores and all things were uh, quite ready for use. Enough of the plan of the royal palace crossing the outer harbors, which were three in number. You would come to a wall which began at the sea and went all around. This was everywhere distant 50 stadia. Wow, 50 stadia from the largest zone of the harbor and enclosed the whole meeting at the mouth of the channel towards the sea. The entire area was densely crowded with habitations and the canal and the largest of the harbors were full of vessels and merchants coming from all parts who, from their numbers, kept a multitudinous sound of human voices in the din of all sorts at night and day. I have repeated this description of the city and the parts about the ancient palace nearly as he gave them. And now I must endeavor to describe the nature of the arrangements of the rest of the country. So this is quite detailed. Um, wow. There's really a lot of minutia here. The whole country was described as being lofty and precipitous on the side of the sea. But the country was immediately about and surrounding the city was a level plain itself surrounded by mountains which descended towards the sea. It was the smooth and even, but the oblong shape extending in one direction, 3,000 stadia going up the country from the sea through the center of the island, 2,000 stadia. The whole region of the island lies towards the south and sheltered from the north. The surrounding mountains he celebrated for their number and size and beauty in which they exceeded all that are uh, now to be seen anywhere, having in them also many wealthy inhabited villages and rivers and lakes and meadows supplying food enough for every animal, especially horses, wild or tamed, the wood of various sorts abundant for every kind of work. I will now describe the plain, which had been cultivated during many ages and many generations of kings. It was rectangular, for the most part straight and oblong. And what it wanted of the straight line followed the line of a circular ditch. The circular ditch. The depth and width and length of this ditch were incredible and gave the impression that such a work, in addition to so many other works, could hardly have been wrought by the hand of man. But I must say that I have heard was excavated in the depths of a hundred feet and the breath was a stadium everywhere. It was carried around the whole plain was 10,000 sta 10, stadia in length. 
It received the streams which came down from the mountains. That's what I was thinking. The mountains surrounded it. And they're talking about all these aqueducts and the water tables and these cisterns that collected the water. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The winding around the plain and touching the city at various points there uh, was let off into the sea from above. Likewise, straight canals of hundreds, a hundred feet and width were cut into the plain and again led off into the ditch towards the sea. And these canals were at intervals of a hundred stadia. And by them, they brought down the wood from the mountains to the city and they conveyed the fruits of the earth and ships and cutting traverse passages from one canal to another and to the city. Twice in the year, they gathered the fruits of the earth in winter, having the benefit of the rains and in the summer, introducing the water uh, of the canals. As to the population, each to, of the lots in the plains had an appointed chief of men who were fit for military service. They, uh, and the size of the lot was to be square of 10 stadia each way, and the total number of the lots was 60,000. So this seems to me to be like um, the structure of a militia, right? This is kind of what we saw in the, um, the fall uh, the Paris Commune episode, where each neighborhood was in charge of having its own portion of the militia. So, like, the rich dudes were the militia for the rich neighborhoods, and the poor dudes were the militia for the poor neighborhoods. And you can kind of just see how... <laughs> how... Um, that shit is just... would not be very good. I'm not saying that that is in this case they're obviously not putting class warfare or envy into atlantis at least not yet um there was just a separate but side note of connection this portion of the story here seems to me that they're talking about how the the militia the defense the military service of atlantis was um organized And of the inhabitants of the mountains and of the rest of the country, there was also a vast multitude having leaders to whom were assigned according to their dwellings and their villages. The leader was required to furnish for the war the sixth portion of the war chariot, so as to make up a total of 10,000 chariots. Also, more horses, two horses and riders upon them, in a light chariot without a seat, accompanied by a fighting man on foot carrying a small shield and having a charioteer mounted to guide the horses. Um, so this is interesting. It's You have a driver. And a gunner, you know, so the guy riding the chariot is not the guy driving the chariot is also not the guy throwing the spears, right? Uh, he was bound to furnish two heavy armied men, two archers, two slingers, three stone shooters, three javelin men. Uh, who were skirmishers and four sailors to make up a complement of twelve hundred ships. Such was the order of war in the royal city. That was the other nine governments was uh, different to each of them. They would be wearisome to narrate. <laughs> really? 
<laughs> That's where Centenary has two offices and honors. The following was an arrangement from the first. Each of the ten kings in his own uh, division, in his own city, the absolute control of the citizens, in many cases the laws, punishing and slaying whomever would be. Now the relation of the governments to one another. Mm -hmm. were regulated by the injunctions of Poseidon as the law has handed them down. These were inscribed by the first men on the column of oraculum. Uh, I got it back. Oraculum. It's wrong. That's not the way it's pronounced, but it rolls better that way. The column of oraculum, which was situated in the middle of the island in the temple of Poseidon, whether the people were gathered together every 50 or 60 years alternately uh, and given this equal honor to the odd and even number. When they were gathered together, they consulted about public affairs. So here we are. We got a king and we got these 10 princes. We got a king and we got these princes and we got all this. But we also have, look, we have a Congress. We kind of have a republic. These leaders get together every uh, fifth and sixth year, fifth or sixth year. And they talk about shit. They're like, look, man, this is what we got to do. That's interesting. This is super interesting. This is a, probably the most interesting point to me <laughs> and inquired if anyone had transgressed in anything. They passed judgment on him accordingly. And before they passed judgment, they gave their pledges to one another in this wise. There were bulls who had the range of the temple of Poseidon and 10 who were left alone in the temple. And after they had offered the prayers to the gods, they might take sacrifices which were acceptable to them. They hunted the bulls without weapons, but with the staves and nooses. And uh, the bull which they caught, they led to this column, the column of oraculum. <laughs> and the victim was then struck on the head by them and slain over the sacred inscription on the column. Besides the law there was inscribed an oath evoking the mighty curse on the disobedient. Wherein, therefore, after all offering sacrifice according to their customs, they had burnt the limbs of the bull. They mingled a cup and cast in a clot of blood for each of them. Oh, my God, I'm going to get sick. <laughs> the rest, <laughs> your, your feeble host. <laughs> Oh, uh, a clot of blood for each of them. All right. Okay. <laughs> they had burnt the limbs of the bull and they mingled a cup and cast in a clot of blood for each of them in rest in the victim uh, they took to the fire. And after having made a purification of the column all around, they drew from the cup in golden vessels and pouring a libation on the fire. They swore that they would judge according to the laws of the column and would uh, punish anyone who had previously transgressed and that for the future they would not and they could help transgress any of the inscriptions and would not command or obey any ruler who commanded them to act otherwise. And according to the laws of their father, Poseidon, this was the prayer 
which each of them offered up for himself and for his families at the same time drinking and dedicating the vessel in the temple of the god. And after spending some necessary time at supper when the darkness came on and the fire about the sacrifice was cool, all of them put on the most beautiful azure robes and sitting on the ground at night near the embers of the sacrifices on which they had sworn in distinguishing all fire about the temple, they received and gave judgment if any of them had any accusation to bring against anyone. And when they had given judgment at daybreak, they wrote down their sentences on a golden tablet and deposed them as memorials with their robes. They were many special laws which the several kings had inscribed about the temple. But the most important was the following, that they were not to take up arms against one another. And they were all to come to the rescue if anyone in the city attempted to overthrow the royal house. Like their ancestors, they were to deliberate and comment about war and other matters, giving the supremacy of the family of Atlas, the king, was not to have the power of life and death over any of his kinsmen unless he had the assent of the majority of the kings. So this is all very interesting to me. Interesting. Uh, he wasn't a tyrant, you see. This was a republic. A republic limited to rich people and princes and a king, it seemed like. But, I mean, it's still a little something. And notice, in, through this whole minutia-laden <laughs> um, earth city planning uh episode through all of this there is not one thing that mentions crystal powers or telepathy or any of that when i list when i read this when i read plato's story here i don't see any of that I don't see any of it, but I got to get going. I'm running out of time. Uh, such was the vast power of the... I always do this for these episodes, by the way. <laughs> which was the vast power which God set... Because it can only be 45 minutes, so I'm always rushing at the last. God settled the lost island of Atlantis, and uh, this he afterwards du uh, directed against our land the following pretext as traditions tell for many generations as long as the divine nature lasted in them they were obedient to the laws and well affectioned towards the gods who were their kinsmen and they were possessed true and in every way great spirits practicing gentleness and the wisdom and the various chances of life and in their intercourse with one another, they, they despised everything but virtue, not caring for their present state of life, arid, thinking lightly in the possessions of gold and other properties, which seemed only a burden to them. Neither were they intoxicated by luxury, nor did wealth deprive them of their self-control. But they were sober, and they saw clearly that all these goods were increased uh, by virtuous friendship with one another and uh, that by excessive zeal for them, they would honor them. The good of them is lost and the friendship perishes with them. 
By such reflections, by the the continuance in them, the divine nature, all that which we have described waxed and increased in them, uh, but when the divine portions began to fade away in them, they became diluted too often and with too much of the moral admixture, and the human nature got the upper hand, and then they, being unable to bear their fortune, became unseemly. And to him, and to an eye to see, and began to appear base, and lost the fairest of their precious gifts. But to those who had no eyes to see the true happiness, they still appeared glorious and blessed the very time they were filled with unrighteous avarice and power. Zeus, the god of gods, who rules with law, and is able to see into such things, perceiving that an honorable race in a most wretched state and wanting to inflict punishment on them, that they might be chastised and improved and collected all the gods into the most holy habitation, which being placed in the center of the world, seeing all things that partake of generation. And he had called them together and spake as follows. <clears throat> <clears throat> Here goes. Zeus is going to make his big come he's going to make his big judgment. Are you ready? Here goes. <clears throat> this is where Plato's story abruptly ends. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for supporting the show and I'll see you I don't know on the main stream like tomorrow or something. Very soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. Send an email or visit us on social media to let us know what you think about this topic. And please remember to leave a five-star rate and review. Thank you for listening and we hope that you enjoyed the show please send an email or find us on social media and let us know what you think about the show we would appreciate it if you would give us a five-star rate and review wherever you find your favorite podcasts you can find stigmata studios graphic novels and comic books at apricast.com <laughs>